And so if you will, uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 27. And with that, stand with me at a reference for God's holy word. Let's start in verse 1 to give a little bit of context here. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend or your father's friend. Do not go uh, to your brother's house in the day of your, of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Be wise, my son. Make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go out and suffer for it. Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he puts security for an adulteress. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain hers, to restrain the wind, or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Iron sharpens iron. The one man sharpens another. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. The Father asks, as always, you'd open our hearts to receive your word, our mind to understand it. Our eyes to see your glory, our ears to hear your word, and our mouth to speak the truth of the gospel. May we be transformed by Jesus. At the end of the day, it's all we want for ourselves, for one another, and for our community. Would you be so kind? May I decrease so that you can increase. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. Be seated. It was early May 1997. I was still 12 years old. And I got up for the very first time to preach. My pastor, I had shared with him a few weeks prior that I had felt a sense of calling to go in the ministry. And he said, okay, in six weeks, I want you to preach for me on a Sunday night. Uh, six weeks, I thought it is impossible to prepare a message in six weeks or less. Impossible to do that. So I did what I thought every preacher did. And that was I went to my teen Bible, right? And uh, went to the index in the back. I said, I am going to randomly pick a subject and I'm going to reference every verse under that index. And that will be my sermon. That's exactly what I did. I landed on friends and I pulled out every verse that the index pointed me to. And I put it in a sermon, quoted Aristotle, not knowing who he was at the time. And bada bing, bada boom. 13 minutes later, I had said everything there was to say about the subject of friends. I will warn you now, this sermon on friends will not be 13 minutes long, okay? Nor will we be able to cover everything that the Bible has to say about friends. And that's not been our goal in our study of Proverbs. But to see what it is for the wise to, in this, and to understand what it means to be a wise friend. Now, when we come to this subject, we need to understand that where we stand culturally is very significant. We live in a sexualized culture. And as a result, one of the debris of such a culture is that of close friendships. So much so that we tie intimacy only with physical intimacy. 
And that is not what you will find in the Bible. In fact, we could say the word friend has moved from being a noun to being a verb. We don't talk about friends. We talk about adding someone as a friend, particularly on social media. One could argue that friendship anymore isn't much deeper than welcoming someone into your online sphere. That was not always the case. I don't know if you do much reading, whether it be fiction or nonfiction, but if you read books with significant age to them, you will find that the way friendship is described is awkward for the modern reader. David and Jonathan, Ruth and Naomi, Daniel and his friends, Jesus and his disciples, just to name some biblical ones. We could even mention uh, ones like uh, Lord of the Rings with with uh, uh, Samwise Gamgee and Frodo and countless others to where, uh, where, where, where you have friendship, but it is intimate friendship. However, according to our world, sex and intimacy are interchangeable. But according to the Bible, one can, can have much physical intimacy, but not true intimacy. But Proverbs makes it clear that you and I cannot navigate this broken, fallen world unless we are, are in part of godly friendships. So as we've seen so far in our study of Proverbs, the, what Proverbs has to say about this issue is really quite straightforward, and, and you will not, your minds will not be blown. But yet we have to be reminded of the simple truths of the Bible. First thing is wise friends choose wise friends. I went to seminary to share that with you. You know how much money that costs, right? I mean, that's just brilliant, isn't it? I tell you what, that, that, that is just, you never saw that one coming. I grew up with an old saying, I bet you grew up with it too. And that is that, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I think Solomon would agree with that. Consider, for example, Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Likewise, we can look at Proverbs 14, 7. Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. You see, it's both in. Is, is if, you, if you walk with the wise, you will grow in wisdom. If you walk with fools, you will grow as a fool. Now, there are a variety of relationships that you and I have as human beings. These can be parental, marital, work-related, neighbors, church, family, a host of relationships that we might have. And in many of those relationships, you will be forced to interact with both the wise and the fools. If you don't believe me, when you go to your Memorial Day barbecue tomorrow, you will meet the wise and the fool. If you cannot find the fool, the old joke goes, guess who? it is, right? I mean, every family, every relationship, you've got the wise and the fools. Right now in your workplace, there are people who are wise. There are people who are fools. If you're a state worker, I'll let you guess which one uh, that, that airs on the most. See, I gave two more days with you. Two more days of state jokes, then you, then you can laugh at them afterwards. But, but think about your home. Kids, to the surprise of some, are foolish. Did you know that? They, 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 they are foolish. Uh, my brother and I got a chemistry set whenever we were kids. 
And they put things in chemistry sets back then they don't put in chemistry sets now. And we eventually uh, thought, well, this stuff will explode, but there are other things in the house that will explode more. It's amazing what hairspray, how flammable that stuff can get, right? That's foolish things to do, right? Uh, my brother once uh, uh, spray painted a, a, a stick figure two-headed monster and wrote his name under it, signed it on the garage side wall, blamed my sister. That's foolishness right there. My mom and I are like, well, we will never guess who this was. He, he once wrote like a, a, an epithet against him in my name in cursive. I was in first grade. Couldn't write in cursive. He said, well, it wasn't me. I would never say that about myself, right? So mom and dad said, here, Kyle, you write that in cursive. And I remember saying, how do you make a G in cursive, right? No, no, just, just do it, right? Just prove my point, right? That's foolishness. We all do foolishness. I never did anything foolish like that. I'll just pick on my brother while he's in another state. Some of your coworkers might be foolish. Some of your family members might be foolish. Some of your church members might, never mind. But when it comes to your friends, the people you choose to influence and to be influenced by, Choose wisely. C.S. Lewis had a lot to say on the issue of friendship. He wasn't married till late in life. He said, friendship is the greatest of worldly goods. Certainly to me, it is the chief happiness of life. If I had to give a piece of advice to a young man about a place to live, I think I would say, sacrifice almost everything to live where you can be near your friends. I know I'm very fortunate in that respect. History has revealed that without his circle of friends, we would not have been blessed with literary works of the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lord of the Rings, and everything else. Solomon put it this way in his Ecclesiastes, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to the one who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Or again, to quote C.S. Lewis, the next best thing to be in wise oneself is to live in a circle of those who are. Now, one of the things we'll notice about Proverbs is, is there's the principle is that the wise choose wise friends. But the way it goes about doing it is, is it draws you away from fools. We'll have more to say about fools next week, so you'll want to be here. But, but let me give you just three uh, uh, things to look for in foolish friends. The first is attitude. Attitude. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25 says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Look, surrounding yourself with angry, bitter, or negative people will produce very little fruit in your life. Angry people can find any reason to be angry at. They don't need a reason to be angry. They just want to be angry. Bitter people often live in the past and want to, to claim victim status for themselves and do very little to build up or encourage others. You befriend such people, guess who is going to make them bitterer? Guess who's going to make them angrier? You. You remember the story of Naomi and Ruth. 
You remember after they both lost their respective husbands, because Naomi also lost her two sons, they returned to Bethlehem. Remember that there is Ruth, her friend, one who sticks closer than a brother. Here is her daughter-in-law sticking right there with her, helping her move everything in and is moving out of her hometown into Naomi's home. You remember what Naomi did? She changed her name. Don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. I'm all alone. And there's, there's Ruth carrying the luggage. Must be careful around people with such attitudes. Negative people find joy in negativity. Angry people find peace in their anger. Hateful people love to hate. You notice in a pattern here. The wise are not such, and they do not surround themselves with such. Secondly is appetites. That is a person with a lack of self-control. Look at Proverbs 23. It says, Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. Now, as a good Baptist, do me a favor. Cross out the part about gluttony and highlight the part about drunkenness. Will you do that for me? Thank you. We'll just move on. Notice that the, the, the whole point is that, that we have appetites that are not just physical, as you see, or drunkenness and gluttonous, but are also moral and spiritual. A lack of self-control. We see this in chapter 28. The one who keeps the law is uh, someone with understanding, but a companion of glutton, gluttons shames his father. Notice there that gluttony is one who not just eats too much, but they are gluttonous in, in terms of a lack of self-control. This is the way the Bible speaks. The first sin has to do with food, right? And many other sins have to do with food. When the Israelites are in wilderness, they're complaining about food and drink. Uh, Jacob uh, gets his brother's inheritance over food and drink. This is the pattern. Turn these stones into bread. Temptation to form the appetites. And that becomes a metaphor for our moral uh, selves. And so to avoid one with a lack of self-control because they will come to destruction, whether externally, imprisonment, poverty, burning bridges, whatever, or internally with folly, depression, despair, so on and so forth. The third uh, foolish person to avoid in choosing wise friends is a, it has to start with an A. This is the best I can do. Someone who is amoral. That is someone with a wicked character. Proverbs 28, 24, whoever robs his father or his mother and says that is no transgression is a companion to a man who destroys. Likewise, Proverbs 29, the partner of a thief hates his own life. He hears the curse but discloses nothing. Here is people who have no sense of judgment, do not practice what is right and wrong. You must flee such individuals. Remember, show me your friends and I will show you your future. But Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. That itself is a proverb. Now, if that is true, the opposite is true. If bad company ruins good morals, then good company reinforces and promotes good morals. In fact, I would say, parents, one of your prior priorities in raising your children is to see to it who their friends are, who their real friends are, who is occupying their time late at night on, on the cell phone, who, who, who are they going to lunch with at, at school, who are they talking to the most, who's their biggest influence among their peers. Look, you and I, we need to surround ourselves with people who love Jesus, love their neighbor, wars against the flesh, and puts others ahead of themselves. In other words, choose the wise and avoid intimacy with the foolish. 
Again, C.S. Lewis is so helpful here. If any pleasure on earth as is any pleasure on earth as great as a circle of Christian friends by the fire? I think he's on to something there. Well, we see then that the wise choose wise friends. The second, and again, this is just going to blow your mind. I hope you're sitting down. A wise friend is a wise friend. I bet you didn't see that one coming, did you? I mean, that's, that's a fastball right down the middle, isn't it? It is one thing to talk about what sort of friends we should pursue. But ask yourself, are you that sort of person yourself? One of the things I find, particularly with with young adults and teenagers when they think about romantic relationships, they're always talking about looking for Mr. and Mrs. Wright. What does Mr. and Mrs. Wright look like? And what do I want them to be? And all that sort of stuff. And and there could be good, a lot of bad in that, but there could be some helpful to to think about some of those issues. But, But... it would be nice if we stopped and think, am I Mr. or Mrs. Wright for this person I'm wanting to date? Do I have the sort of character and whatnot to be that sort of? Same thing when it comes to friends. We can say a lot about wise friends, but we've got to ask ourselves, am I such a wise friend? Proverbs 18, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Are you that sort of friend? So in the time that remains, I want to look at what Proverbs has to say about what that sort of wise friend looks like. And I want us to ask ourselves, am I that sort of friend? The first is, a wise friend seeks the well-being of others. Seeks the well-beings of others. Proverbs 3, 29, do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Whoever despises his neighbor, chapter 14 says, is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Proverbs 16, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. A man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. Proverbs 18, a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. A good example of this, at least a they start out as a good example is, of course, Job's friends. You remember Job's friends who Job loses everything, his family, his well-being, his health, everything. And early on, his friends show up, and this is where they just nail it. They, they are the perfect example of friends. It says, now when Job's three friends heard of all of this evil that had come upon him, they came each to his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, these names and where they're from will be on your quiz at the end. Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the, the Naamathite, right? You've got to pronounce both A's. It's Hebrew. I didn't make it up. God did. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort. You remember how they showed him sympathy and comfort? They didn't say a word. We'll come to that here in a minute, right? You know how they, they proved themselves to be foolish? They started talking. If only I can think of a good application with that, right? Can you imagine if they had social media? My goodness. I'm reminded of the Lord of the Rings. I've referenced Lord of the Rings quite a bit because it's a good model for friendship. You remember when Frodo and Sam, they, they, they make it to Mount Doom, right? And they're, they're climbing to that mountain and you're going to destroy the, the Ring of Power. And Frodo cannot go any farther. He, he, is, he is spent. He, he, the, the weight of the ring is too much. Remember what Samwise does? There's a great scene in the movie and excellent in the book. Remember what Sam does? He's, he's learned his lesson. I can't carry this burden for you. He tried that earlier. So I, I can't carry this burden for you. 
but I can carry you. This is Jesus' point in John 15. We saw it last week when we talked about marriage. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love no one than this, that someone lay his life down for his friends. Selflessness. Selflessness, rather. Sacrifice. These are basic Christian uh, 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 fruits of the Spirit. But we must apply it to our relationships, particularly to our friends. Are you such a friend? Or do you allow your issues, your complaints, or your demands to trump everything? Now, obviously, every relationship is give and go, give and take. But at the end of the day, are you someone who will be there for others, serve others for their benefit, or do you use friends exclusively for yours? Jesus is our model here who laid his life down for his friends. Secondly, a wise friend respects the needs of others. Consider what Solomon says in chapter 17. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. A few verses later, he adds, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I'll confess to you that like any minister, I can struggle with melancholy as much as anyone. There's ups and downs with, with, with ministry in general. I've told you a thousand times that, that, that uh, a lot of my ministry friends, I'll ask them you know, or tell them that whenever it hits, you need to give me a call. But I can say honestly that what has kept me through ministry has been godly friends. And one of the best things that, that I ever did as a minister was every Thursday go to Hardy's in Hardinsburg, Kentucky for, for a biscuit and some hash browns and maybe a tall glass of ice-cold Coca-Cola, no ice. Why would people put ice in their drinks? It'd be on me. And to sit there for hours, we had emptied our entire schedule. And the joke was whoever had business meeting most recently got to do the most talking. But, but really, it didn't matter if we talked about theology or ministry or, or um, how come Arsenal will never finish in the Champions League spot of the Premier League, right? It didn't matter what it is that we talked about. What matter was we were there for each other. In many ways, I'm here today because of those friends. One of the best things that whenever we came here was a number of pastors reached out to me, had friends immediately. A wise friend respects the needs of others and are the benefit of such friends. May you be such a friend to others. And this sort of intimacy is critical to our lives. We must trust and be trusted by others. You will never have a deep relationship with anyone without confronting the necessity of being vulnerable. This is one of the major problems with online relationships and doing everything digitally is that we can hide behind usernames or we can keep things at a distance where people can't read our facial expressions or maybe our tones or, or there is an app between us. Or, 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 or we, 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 and so, so we, we hesitate to be vulnerable with people. We hesitate to allow them to be vulnerable people. And so we struggle with friendships. We struggle with relationships in general. And in that struggle, it draws us to greater isolation. And greater isolation will come. All the anxiety issues and everything else that, that, that comes along with it. No wonder then, so many of us are suffering. No wonder my generation of millennials and the generations behind me are all struggling with anxiety. All struggling with loneliness. All struggling with the mental health issues. Why? Because, because we struggle with real relationships that allow for vulnerability. So we go the way of foolishness. We've we got to move on thirdly. A wise friend blesses with his words. I hope you've noticed a pattern here. Proverbs has a lot to say about the tongue. And we'll have more to say it again, Lord willing, next week because we'll talk about fools. You, you'll want to definitely be here for that. 
But, but this applies to friends. How we use our language and our tongues for others. Consider, for example, Proverbs twenty-two eleven: He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friends. Proverbs 27, 6 that we read, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And then Proverbs 29, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. You see, the using of the tongue will either bless others or we will lose control and be a fool. If you want to explore this in more detail, again, perhaps we'll look at it next week. James chapter 3. Remember what James has to say? It says, The tongue is but a small organ of the body, and yet it is untamable. It is, it is like a rudder of a ship. It is like a spark in a forest. Though small, it controls everything. By the way, all of that applies to social media and online. I don't know why we've convinced ourselves that we can have our real self and our online self, and God is unaware of the online part. How we use our words. Do you use your words to bless or to complain? To build up or to tear down? Fourthly and finally, a wise friend shares wisdom. A wise friend shares wisdom. After all, in the passage we looked at, particularly verse 17 is our main verse, what else does this mean but iron sharpens iron? What else does that mean? What else does that mean? Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. But here's the thing. One man can only sharpen another man if both are wise. If both are wise. The Proverbs would say that the fools, the foolish are like blind, and the blind lead the blind into a pit. But the wise are like iron. When the wise sharpen the iron, they are both the beneficiaries of that. Or consider earlier in Proverbs 27, we saw oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. So the question we have here today is, one, do I pursue the wise to grow in intimacy with? And am I such a person who is wise? You know, over the years, my family and I, particularly my wife and I, we've, we've done a lot of moving. I've told you all before that the difference between my wife and I growing up is uh, my mom and dad still live in the same house I grew up in. Right. Um, I was showing some old pictures to the kids, my old bedroom whenever I was in high school. Right. And um, in fact, my mother's only lived in two houses her entire life, her father's house and her and her husband's house. My wife, on the other hand, when they lived in Carroll County, <laughs> every time I just say Carroll County, I have to chuckle. But when she grew up in Carroll County, uh, they moved every time rent came due. And I remember one day she, she had me drive around this just... Carroll County. I mean, I don't know what I did wrong, but she punished me. Maybe drive around Carroll County. We lived in this house and this house and that house and over there and all this sort of stuff. And so she just bounced around everywhere. And so we got married. I thought, well, we're just going to live in one place forever. And then I forgot I was in ministry. And then and so we've we, we've moved from Owen County to Louisville for you Yankees, Louisville for the rest of you, and and from Louisville to Breckenridge County and. From Breckenridge County to, to technically we were in Grayson County. From Grayson County to here, we've moved to two places here. And one of the things I found with, with each different location, there, there was something we knew we had. We knew, regardless of where the Lord had us, there was a group of friends waiting to meet us. 
We had them. They were right there. All we had to do is go meet them. Now, certainly technology has helped with this. High school buddies, college buddies, people we met along the way. But we knew, no matter where we find ourselves, there was a group of people that would sharpen us, love us, lead us, encourage us, bless us. We had a community of friends known as the local church. Have we said anything today that doesn't apply to you and me as members of this church? Consider what the New Testament has to say about the local church. Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing. If, if, if I had to put one passage for a post-Christian church, it'd be, <laughs> right? Right right there. Forsaking the assembly with, with, with believers is to forsake the wisdom of gospel believers. It is to forsake discipleship, which makes us wiser to be the benefit of others. Or consider Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. Or Peter in, in 1 Peter 4. He says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. You know, like the whole cross thing. Show hostility to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied gift. This is everything Solomon has to say about friends applied to the local church. Can we say that here about East Frankfurt Baptist Church? You know the old joke. If you see a church called Concord Baptist Church, you should know that there's a lot of discord in Concord. If you see Unity Baptist Church, there's probably Disunity Baptist Church. And unfortunately, the joke goes, if you see a Friendship Baptist Church, it may not be very friendly. I hope that's not the case here. Are we a people who love each other and sharpen each other for the glory of God? I pray we are. Let's go back to Jesus as we conclude. John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Is that not a simple definition of friendship? And by the way, in two verses later, he'll say a friend lays his life down for them. Are you such a friend? I pray you are. Let's go to the Lord.